0: In late January, a nondescript Twitter account for the local sheriff's office started receiving attention from around the nation after it issued a confusing tweet. So the tweet was sent from one of the officers, and the first sentence from the San Miguel Miguel Sheriff's Office read this, large boulder the size of a small boulder, is completely blocking eastbound Lane Highway 145 at Silver Pick Road. Please use caution and watch for emergency vehicles in the area. Well, immediately, Twitter users went to Twitter and doing what they do best, and they started to question whether there was some exceptions in the laws of physics and space-time that would somehow explain how a large boulder could be the size of a small boulder, one user writes this, what's heavier, a large boulder the size of a small boulder or a small boulder the size of a large boulder? Another user was wondering if the boulder was actually having self-esteem issues, which is why it was a small boulder. Still yet another offered a fashion solution. Maybe the large boulder put on a pair of spandex or Spanx, which explains why it could fit into a small boulder. However, after the boulder was removed, they provided a little update and clarification. The boulder that fell onto the highway was approximately four feet by four feet by four feet, or 64 cubic feet. However, even though that's kind of a small boulder, is it not, this boulder weighed 10,000 pounds, hence the officer's description, large boulder the size of a small boulder. I understand, I get what he was trying to do, right? Everyone can get to a point where they they want people to understand exactly what they are saying and they try to clarify a situation. The officer didn't want people to be fooled by the appearance of said boulder. Even though it may look like a small boulder, it's actually a very heavier boulder, or one that is much greater than one may think. John is giving out his final tweet. He is giving us and his disciples, really, clarification. He doesn't want there to be any confusion. He says, hey... I want you to see something. Though Jesus Christ may look like an ordinary human being, he is not. Be careful, because he is much greater than he appears. He wants them to realize and not be fooled by appearances. And in doing so, Explaining why John the Baptist, and in reality, all disciples, all teachers, all leaders, all pastors, all ministers, all servants, why all of us must decrease and why he must increase. Jesus's ministry, the person and work of Jesus Christ, is far superior than any other man's or woman's, and he is the absolute center of God's plan for redemption. I see three reasons that John gives us here. Three reasons, and in all of this, he is speaking to the supremacy of Jesus Christ above everybody else. Why he must increase. The first reason that I see here in verse 31 is Jesus has a greater origin. Jesus has a greater origin. Chapter 3, verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth, and he speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. In his book, Life, the movie, Cultural Movie cultural critic uh, Neil Gabler claims that People Magazine has become the archi- archetypical magazine of our times. He writes this, inspired by a section of Time Magazine that chronicled celebrity milestones, people expanded the concept to include anything that a celebrity did. Everyone is familiar with People Magazine and Time Magazine and and all of those magazines and how they emphasize celebrities. He said, people expanded the concept to include anything that a celebrity did on the principle that ordinary people were fascinated, fascinated by those who are better, those who are extraordinary. Within 10 minutes of its launch on March 4th, 1974, the magazine had a circulation of 1.25 million its success was unmistakably a testament to the enchantment of the celebrity. People editor Richard Stoley even devised a set of rules for a successful cover. Here's the set of rules that they followed. Here it goes. So if you're going to go into the magazine business, this is what you want to follow. Young is better than... Old, okay. And remember, these aren't my values. These are the world's values, right? Young is better than old. Pretty is better than ugly, ugly, okay? Rich is better than poor. TV is better than music. Music is better than movies. Movies are better than sports. And anything is better than politics. Nothing is better than a celebrity who had just died, It was a bracing description of not only what sold magazines, but what people value. I'm sure you could probably add a few cover titles, couldn't you not? I'd probably add fly fishing is better than spin casting, water is better than water, and everything is better than beef stew. So... It's kind of funny here because we have these value systems and the world has these value systems and there's a a value of what is greater or what is better. Well, John has a value system here and it is not a superficial value system. It is not a value system that is one that is based on what is going to sell the most magazines. This value system is based in reality. The person who comes from heaven is better or greater than the person who comes from earth. Jesus' heavenly origin, or the second person of the Trinity, heavenly origin denotes his supremacy above everybody else. As a matter of fact, it's kind of funny because John is almost using like some sort of spatial argument, is he not? He's saying, well, it's natural. The guy from above is better than who? The guy from below. The guy from above is better than the guy from below because the guy from above has a heavenly or divine nature as the guy from below has a earthly nature. Folks, one of the biggest mistakes that we make not only as as people who do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, but also sometimes those of us within the church, is we begin to compare Jesus and put Jesus on equal plane with everyone else. And one of the biggest mistakes, as I said, that the unbeliever makes is that they want to make Jesus just like us. And he is 100% man. He is like us in all of those human limitations, however, without sin. And he never ceased being 100% God. The heavenly origin, as one commentator says, of Jesus Christ makes him absolutely supreme over all other men. That's it. John is telling us in plain sense. He wants his disciples to see something here. Hey guys, listen. You've been following me. My entire job was to point to someone who did not originate from earth. I have originated from earth. He has originated in heaven. And what he is saying here is that Jesus Christ is 100% God. He is speaking to his divinity, and he is speaking to his preexistence. Who would you rather have talking to you right here, right now? Would you rather have Jesus, or would you rather have Pastor Mark? Don't worry, you're not going to offend me. We have to understand, I think we have to continually remind ourselves that humans are just that. We are made from the earth. We are made from dirt. Isn't that kind of humbling for us? Isn't that exactly what John is saying here? Hey, I come from dirt. So go outside. There's some mud today. There's some dust out there. And that reminder... When, when we're reminded of that in Scripture, you were taken from dirt, and to dirt you are going to return. Every single one of us, that just levels the playing field, does it not? Was, was the second person of the Trinity taken from dirt? No. Did the second person of the Trinity have something to do with our creation? Yes. Is he over and above each and every single one of us? Absolutely. It's easy to understand, but we often forget it. Jesus is above all, therefore Jesus must increase and we must all decrease. Though what John is saying here. Is divinely inspired and God's word, and God works through prophets and God worked through the writers of the New Testament. The one who is penning those words is not greater than the one that he is speaking of. I speak the words of God. I try to speak, I don't speak the words of God. I try to interpret God's word and give you God's word and speak that, but Jesus is actually God himself, and John is going to clarify right after this why his testimony is that much greater than John's. We tend to make the mistake, and we have to re- remind ourselves that later on, uh, Jesus, not only is John the Baptist trying to clarify this to his disciples in speaking of Jesus' heavenly origin, But later on, Jesus is going to have to clarify it to his disciples, isn't he? Because remember, Jesus goes up to the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And what does he do? He unveils his nature to them. And they see them. And Peter, Peter doesn't know what to do with himself. And Peter's looking around. Hey, this is great, Jesus. You know what I'm going to do? And then who appears with Jesus? Moses and Elijah, two great one great prophet and one great leader in their history, right? These are all very, very, these two are very important people. Peter looks at the three of them and he's like, hey, this is great. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make three tabernacles. One for Elijah, one for Jesus, and one for Moses. And, and we, can, we can divvy up the worship. One day we can go and all see Moses, we can worship Moses. Next day we can, Jesus, you'll get the center. Don't worry, you'll be in the middle here. But we're going to have these three. And what happens at that point? Who intervenes? God intervenes and he reminds them of something. This is my beloved son. And he is going to say that later on in this text. This is the one whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. Worship him. Elevate him. He who comes from heaven is above everybody else. All men, all teachers, all prophets, therefore he must increase. Again, John is saying, I'm not God. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the chosen one. He is, and he is above all of us. It's a good reminder, because remember who John is talking to, his disciples. Churches, ministries, whatever it is that elevates man to some sort of deified status is in serious trouble. And doing the exact opposite of what John is trying to do here. Jesus is greater. That's what we're all about. Man cannot take his place. I don't know if you remember Bizarro. Who remembers Bizarro? Please, help me out. Okay, a few of you. Bizarro? Superman? I'm like, man, you got blank faces. We're going to need a comic book education for a little bit. So Bizarro was Superman's opposite. Bizarro and everything he would say would be opposite. Man, this is going to really, I'm going to take a little longer with this illustration now. Look up Bizarro, right? He's an old cartoon, and he was opposite, and he came from Bizarro World, which was opposite world. It's a cube instead of a globe, and everything that he did, he did, he was just the opposite of Superman. and He had Bizarro friends. Now, I, I, we, I have Bizarro friends, but not like his Bizarro friends. Some of you are included in that category. So, he, and he would say the opposite stuff, and he'd do all the opposite stuff. And, and then there was his friends, and there was bat who was the world's worst detective instead of Batman. So now you're, you're kind of following along. In, in popular culture, right, what we call Bizarro World has come to mean a situation or, or a setting which is inverted, the opposite of the expectations. That's the world that you and I live in, When we begin to exalt man over Jesus Christ, it's a bizarro world. It's inverted. John is laying it out to us really, really simple. Hey, he who comes from above, he is above all. Therefore, he must increase. He knows exactly what he is talking about. He speaks a greater testimony. Verses 32 through 34, the second reason why Jesus must increase. What he has seen and heard of that, he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives him the spirit Without measure. So, as I was saying before, and just to clarify, Jesus is not in competition with divine revelation or scripture because that too is mediated by God through the Holy Spirit. But this is Jesus and his teaching in relationship to earthly leaders, particularly John in this context. John's goal, John's entire ministry, was to bring people to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And as we said the last week, that is all of our goals, is to point people, to bring people to Jesus Christ, to exalt Jesus Christ, to elevate Jesus Christ and emphasize His supremacy, His truth, and His testimony. Jesus speaks a greater testimony because Jesus speaks from experience. Listen to the words that John is using here, and it goes back to exactly what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus earlier. He has this heavenly experience. He comes from heaven. He knows exactly everything that heaven is about, and as we see in this passage, he speaks for God himself. He speaks from what he has seen and what he has heard This speaks to the veracity or the truthfulness of his testimony. And as Jesus said to Nicodemus before, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. You ever doubt yourself? You guys doubt yourself sometimes? I do it all the time. You know, after you say something or even what you believe sometimes that you've seen or that you've heard and you're kind of like, ah, you know. You know, I... I've gained confidence in being up here, but don't be fooled by that because I'll walk off this stage sometimes and I'll be like, why did I say that? Or I could have said something a lot better than that or that was miserable. So, and it's good. It's healthy to do that. And there are certain people in this room that can make me question myself and make me reevaluate, and that's a good thing. There is nobody who can make me doubt myself more than my wife. That that woman can make me guess my name at the end of a conversation. And it's kind of the way that she says things. She says things. I never need to go see a doctor. Do you know why? My wife diagnoses every single problem I have. Oh, don't worry. It's just this, this, and this. And I, I believe her. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're telling me the truth. She knows, you know, and she starts, I'll, I'll, I won't, I'll put keys somewhere. Or I, actually, I won't put keys somewhere. She'll tell me I'll put keys somewhere. She'll be like, yeah, this is what you did. You came home, you did this. And I'm like, yeah, I start believing her. And I'm like, and then later on, we find out that she didn't, it was her who put the keys somewhere. <laughs> the other day, we were driving down the, the road but behind W.B. Mason and the arterial, 25. We're driving down this road. And this this birthed this whole illustration, so I thanked her for it afterwards. And we're driving down the road, and it's shut down. It's, It's closed. I didn't see the detour signs, but they're doing construction all over the place. And there's another road that goes off to the left right there. Cars started turning down that road, so I turned down that road. So we're headed down that road, but as those cars turned down that road, I just see them start turning around and then heading back and going all the way around. So I'm like, ah, it must come to a dead end. And I pull in a parking lot. She goes, she goes what, are you, what are you doing? She goes, they're sheep. Don't follow them. They have no idea what they're doing. This is Sarah, by the way, my wife. They don't, don't follow them. And I, what do I do? I'm like, she must be, she goes, haven't we been down here before? And I'm thinking, we must have. My wife's saying it. I go right back to where I was headed. Cars pass me. I'm like, sheep, bah. See you later, suckers. My wife, GPS. And then we keep driving down the road. What do you think happens? Dead end. It didn't matter if that was a, hundred, a thousand foot cliff. I would have drove. No, you're fine. Just keep, Just keep going. Folks, Unlike my wife, Jesus knows. Jesus has been there. Jesus is going to give us the proper directions. Jesus is going to point us in the right way because he has seen and heard everything that Jesus Christ says is absolutely true. True. He's not guessing. It is absolute truth. And what's interesting about this is the guy who has been there, the guy who has seen, the guy who has heard, the guy who, who can tell you everything about heaven and everything. It's the guy that no one believes. This is the one. They would rather, there's all these gurus, all these teachers, all these books written telling you, oh, there's no God. Oh, there's no such thing as salvation. Oh, I understand heaven. God's going to let everyone into heaven. All of these things, and people are like, yeah, I believe you. But the person who has been there, they disbelieve. Tom Hanks was interviewed about why he was considered the most trusted man in the world. Did you know that, Tom Hanks? Didn't know that. So what made him so trustworthy? He said this, I'm I'm honest because I tell people that I'm lying to them. He says when he's talking to people, he says, I'm in the show business. Somebody will ask me about a project, to do a project, And he thinks it's absolutely lousy, he thinks it stinks, and he says, I don't want to do it, but this is what I'll say to them, Doug, I got your project and I'm lying to you right now, but I love this thing, I think it's great, I want to do it, but I can't, I can't do it, Doug, because I got a movie that I need to publicize in Japan, by the way, by the way, Doug, I'm lying to you, the things that I said are just lies, but don't you feel better, Doug, about yourself? He said then that he kind of gets into trouble when he's supposed to be in Japan and he ends up at a hockey game on TV and Doug sees him. And then he has to say to Doug, Doug, but I told you. What? I'm lying to you, Doug. Jesus opens up the conversation very, very differently, doesn't he? We're talking about truthfulness here. An absolute truth. Jesus doesn't say I'm lying to you. Jesus says, I'm going to tell you the truth, even though that might make you feel uncomfortable. I'm going to let you know the truth. But the world actually wants Tom Hanks, don't they? And even in the church, we want Tom Hanks. We want Tom Hanks to tell us what we want to hear. Because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus' words are true, not in a relative sense, but in an absolute sense. It doesn't matter Whether or not we believe it to be true, it does not change the veracity of such truth. It is true. I can believe it. I can take it as truth. I can hold on to it. I can live by it. Or I can push it aside. It doesn't change the truthfulness of it. Jesus speaks the very words of God. What Jesus Christ God incarnate says on earth what he says about man, the condition of man, what he says about salvation, what he says about himself is true. The quote from Nietzsche, there are no eternal facts just as there are no absolutely tr- absolute truths. What would you ask Nietzsche? My class knows. Are you absolutely sure <laughs> because if you're absolutely sure, then what you just said is an absolute truth. It's illogical. Jesus, is, Jesus speaks the truth because that is exactly what he, God sent him to do. Notice here that in this very passage, John is giving us another Chance, isn't he? He says, for those who have received it. So again, the two people, the ones who don't believe the testimony of Jesus, and the ones who receive it. The one who receive it as true set the seal, affix the stamp, saying that God is true. Not separating Jesus from God. Yes, Jesus, the person, the second person of the Trinity. But those two are in continuity with one another because Jesus is God incarnate. He's true. It's a a seal that would have been affixed to a document stating its truthfulness, verifying it. And it's an invitation. It's an invitation to all of us who are reading this today. He's inviting you to receive this truth. And it should be an encouragement to us as Christians. Because this world is full of lies. Lots and lots and lots of lies. And sometimes it's really hard for us to discern between truth and a lie. Where do we know is the truth right here? And that truth, though many, many, many do not believe it, is for us. It's a promise. They're not going to believe it. If they didn't believe Jesus, do you think they're going to believe his messengers? Nope. What are some of the promises that Jesus gives us? I just picked a few of them out because these are direct quotes of what Jesus says. Talking about life. He says, I've come to give you life. True life. And to have it abundantly. Talking about security. All the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never ever ever drive away. He holds us fast. Talking about rest. Are you weary? Are you tired? Are you tired of trying to earn your salvation? Tired of trying to be perf- perfect? Tired of life beating you down? Come to him. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome this world. And finally, if I go and prepare a place for you, what's the promise? I will come back and I'll take you with me. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. Those are promises to each of us. The question is whether or not you believe them. Jesus speaks as God's perfect representative. God sent Jesus. Nobody else. He's God's answer. He has the Spirit without measure and compared to the prophets before who have had the Spirit in a certain amount of measure, Jesus is the opposite. And again, we see the continuity between Jesus and God, that Jesus is God's representative, and the words that he speaks are the very words of God. You cannot have God the Father without Jesus the Son, and vice versa. The God of the Old Testament is revealed to us in the Jesus of the New Testament. And they are in complete agreement with one another. God has sent the Son into this world, to save this world, and to speak his words for all of us to receive. Finally, the third and final reason why Jesus must increase is Jesus possesses a greater authority. Verses 35 through 36. The Father loves the Son, has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. I'm sure, you know who these two are? I like that picture. First Lady Laura Bush. Tells a story of an overnight visit with her husband in the home of his parents. I like getting a little sneak peek into the lives of presidents, don't you? So George, the son, woke up at 6 a.m. as usual. He went downstairs to get a cup of morning joe. He's going to sit back and relax and read the newspaper, and his parents were downstairs already. So he takes a seat in between them. He sits down on the sofa, just kind of naturally puts his feet up. All of a sudden, Barbara Bush, his mom, yelled out, put your feet down. The dad, George, George's dad, replies, for goodness sake, Barbara, he's the president of the United States. <laughs> Barbara said, I don't care who he is. I don't want his feet on my table. The president promptly did as he was told, right? Because you know what's coming, wrath. And even, as Laura observed, she says, even presidents have to submit to the authority of their mothers. Isn't that funny? The power and the authority always stops somewhere. In, in our world, it's a little confusing because we have a, a bunch of layers, don't we? There's a, there's a hierarchy in the military, wherever it may be, even with the president of the United States, he's over certain people. Those people are over certain people. I'm going to make it real clear for us. I'm going to make it really easy. That, the, the, the heavenly hierarchy between heaven and earth, that's not that difficult. It's God and then man. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and then all of us here below. And God the Father loves Jesus Christ. That love is shown in him handing over all power All authority to him. Everything is in his hands. That's why John the Baptist is saying, hey, trust him. He's got this under control. And it is only in him, as he continues to say, that you can have eternal life. Nobody else. Isn't that simple? Jesus... The rest of us. He wants us to see that he has been given ultimate power and authority. I like some other translations. The father loves the son and has placed all things or entrusted all things into his hands. He must increase because he has been entrusted with absolutely everything. 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 And it is only in him that we can be saved. He has the Holy Spirit without measure and therefore can offer that Holy Spirit an eternal life. He is the one whom God has chosen. God has set his seal on him to pay for our sins. And in him is eternal life. When you believe in him, you are saved. He's the one. He's supreme over all. This is why John points away from himself, and this is why all of us must point away from ourselves and point to Jesus Christ. He says all things. All things have been given to him. You guys have trusted me with some stuff, haven't you? You guys trust me to do a certain job, and I'm definitely not God. And even in, that, in those tasks, Lynn can be my witness. I, if my head wasn't attached, I'd lose that just as well. So i gotta, I got to go to help. i got to ask her for help because why? I'm human. Not so with Christ. I mean, if we really flesh this out, if we see what John is trying to do here, He's trying to point his disciples and us to putting our faith in Jesus. If Jesus has every single thing under his control and within his power, what can we trust him in? Everything, right? Can we trust him with our boss who doesn't understand us at work? Can we trust him Maybe in our relationships, maybe, maybe we're waiting for someone and that hasn't happened, or maybe we're with someone and it's, it's not working out. Can we trust him in that area? If we're in school and there's someone picking on us, a bully or something like that, can we trust him to handle that? Can we trust him when we lose someone That we love very dearly, we don't understand why. Can we trust Him in that? Is that out of His control? It's not. John's pointing us to Jesus and He's saying, Look, He's got everything. I think He can take care of you too. It's all in His hands. There is nothing that falls out of it. It's not in my hands. It's in His. The Father loves the Son. And when we look at that statement compared to what He said in John 3.16, what is said in John 3.16, our minds should be blown. He loves the Son Absolutely. But he chose the welfare of this world over the welfare of his son. He put his son's welfare in the welfare of this world. He still loved the son, but he gave him. He gave him. He's handed everything over to the son. All authority belongs to him. All power It's funny because we we still tend to elevate men, don't we? We tend to hold up those leaders. We tend to look at them and think that they are our answer to everything. That's not it. It's not it. The goal of those men is to point people to Jesus. And the goal of those men is to trust in Him. My job, the best way I can do my job is if I'm placing All of my anxiety, all of my fear, all of my worth, everything, my identity, whatever it is, in his hands. It belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone. And John, in good fashion, like a good evangelical Baptist would, gives a final altar call, doesn't he? kind of narrows down that power and authority. And he says, he who believes in the son has eternal life, has it. Folks, the world divides here. Remember those truths that we talked about that people don't want to hear? This is one of them. We want to speak of God's love. We want to speak of God's salvation. We want to speak of Jesus. We don't want to mention the other side. We don't want to mention the wrath. We don't want to mention the judgment. We don't want to mention the eternal separation. But here it is laid out before us and Jesus is at the center of it. What we do with Jesus Christ gives us two results. This is how he ends. I love it. His testimony, he gives an altar call. And he says, if you place your faith in the Son, you will have. It is in the present tense. You will have eternal life, and that will continue into the future. But if you do not, all you have is wrath. You're never going to see that life. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. John never got tired of saying it. I'm never going to grow tired of saying it. It's what we're all about. We listen to sermons. We encourage each other so that we can go out and tell this message to the world. And when we read a text like this, I offer this hope to you. Jesus offers this hope to you. It's one of the promises. If you believe in him, if you place your faith in him, you don't stand condemned because he took that condemnation for you. But if you don't, there is no other choice. And there is no other person That is the dividing line between life and wrath. So I beg you if you're here today and you've trusted in yourself and you've trusted in your good works and you've trusted that God's just going to wink at your sin and allow you into heaven, allow you to have eternal life, you're wrong. Please don't do that. Please don't wait another second to place your faith in Jesus Christ. God loves the Son. The Father loves the Son, but He loves the world too. He he loves you. And because He loves you, He gave you Jesus Christ. Gave Him up for us. So that you can have True life, not the life that this world is going to give you. True life that begins now and lasts forever. It's a promise. If not, you live in an economy which is alienated from God for all eternity. And you're not a subject of life, you're a subject of death. And I know that is hard to hear but it is the truth. We live in an age where we'll point to Jesus, we'll point to his life, but neglect the warning and the other story, the other side of that. He says it for us right here. He who does not obey, does not listen to what Jesus says about himself, that life and salvation is found in him. Two choices, folks. And we're going to do this probably over and over again as we go through this gospel, but guess what? I will not grow tired of this. This is what it is all about. Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. Anyone. Doesn't matter what you've done. His death on the cross pays for that sin. If not, it's eternal separation. In March 2009, Police Department of Dallas, Texas, joined the growing number of agencies getting rid of complicated codes used in radio signals and stuff like that. We used to do it at Long Creek, and then we, we switched over to plain language. Brian, you probably are familiar with this. For example, in the past, an officer might have radioed in to say, I'm approaching a Code 7. Who knows what a Code 7 is? It's it's an accident. So now they say, I'm approaching an accident, which everyone can understand. The reason why they did this was because uh, during 9-11, they were using similar codes, same codes, but had different meanings. Can you imagine? You know, so yeah, it kind of led to a little bit of chaos. So they implemented this law, and one of the gentlemen who implemented it said, well, it's just common sense, If you start speaking in code, you have a real chance for misinterpretation. I hope what John has said here is real plain and real clear because that was his intention. Jesus Christ must increase because Jesus Christ is greater in all ways. There is absolutely nothing that is better or greater than Jesus Christ. No man, no one whatsoever. And for that purpose, we must exalt him over and above everybody else. Jesus is from heaven, we're from earth. Jesus' testimony is greater because he speaks from what he's seen and heard. He has the spirit without measure. He speaks the very words of God. All authority, all Power has been given unto him, and because of that, he can offer you eternal life. You can trust in him. I hope we can follow suit with our friend John the Baptist, because we know what happened to him, didn't we? He went to prison, didn't he? He lost his head. But he gained something much, much more important than that, didn't he? He gained life because he believed in Jesus. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you that even though you loved him so much, that you gave him for us. Lord, and I pray, I pray, Lord, that You would work on all of our hearts, help us to remember this truth, Lord. And if we have not believed this truth, that you would impress this truth upon those who have not. They would not be content until they are content in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name.